0: Hello, this is me, Russell Brand. I'm excited to share some of my conversation with Seth Abramson. Seth is an American professor, attorney, author and political communist. You should be following him on Twitter where he's an absolute hoot. His teaching areas include digital journalism, post-internet culture theory, come on, post-internet writing and legal advocacy. He's written loads of books, Proof of Corruption, Bribery, Impeachment and Pandemic in the Age of Trump and uh, Proof of Collusion, his latest book, which you should get. I've read not all of it, but I'm going to. He's certainly no fan of Trump. But this conversation we had, where I was very much waving the flag for, well, what, you know, tough on Trump, tough on the causes of Trump. You know, I was saying, what's the point? And in effect, we got to the point where we were saying that you could take Trump out of this whole problem and the problem would be almost the same. What's the point of fetishizing Trump? Anyway, let's get some comments uh, from Kate Nelson before we crack on with Seth Abramson, who was charming, informative, brilliant and bright. Mischievous, fantastic, wonderful episode. I'm thrilled with it. Now, here's some comments from Kate Nelson. Franchique S. Franchique underscore... Jen, did you just then tug a great lot of phlegm down your throat? I heard a real whooshing I sound. Shivered. I heard a. I shivered. I shivered. You shivered? Shivered from sheer phlegm. <laughs> no. What was discovered Stop lately? Stop redirecting the phlegm. Your phlegm is. I'm not redirecting the phlegm. <laughs> i got go. no phlegm to redirect. Listen, listen to this back. There was no phlegm. <laughs> was a f- that's just natural sweet <laughs> swallowing. But that's just sweet lady swallow singing her song, singing her siren song. Uh, look, Jen's got a phlegm problem. No. <laughs> yes, it you were diagnosed by an acupuncturist as being phlegmy. <laughs> that acupuncturist has been under a lot of pressure. <laughs> it was a misdiagnosis. She was kind enough to admit that. Excuse me, I've just got some (laughs) (laughs) phlegm. Some phlegm size of tennis ball gathering, accumulated in the gutters of me job. Sorry about that. Uh, Francique underscore S, enjoyed it. You bring in so much to this community, man. Thanks, Francique. Yapsicles, loved it. Your episodes always make me think in a different way. Gareth Evans, kept it real. That was refreshing. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, to tock, any of those things, then uh, of course do. But more importantly, sign up for the email on uh, rossalbrown.com and get information on live performances like my shows at the London Palladium, the in Reading, Oxford, socially distant, safe performances. If they're cancelled, you'll obviously get your money back, but these should be wicked gigs. November the 8th, Oxford. November the 12th, Reading. November the 15th, a place called Londo. <laughs> Who typed this out? Django! Yeah. yeah. You were so busy sluicing down your surplus saliva. I was getting rid of Palladium and I went too far. So Why are we getting rid of Palladium? So it would all fit on one page so you didn't have to flip over it. Well, you failed miserably. And what you've done <laughs> is you've announced a gig on the 15th of November in a place called Londo. What don't even exist? Go to russellbrand.com for your tickets and more accurate geographical information about the cities in which these events will be taking place. Uh, Check out my YouTube channel for those spiritual videos. Did a good one today. Uh, It was a uh, video on... Panic. Panic! (laughs) Don't panic. Don't panic. Or panic less. (laughs) I'm not saying don't panic. Panic if you want, but just do less of it. The reason we chose this bit... Now, which bit should we choose, Jen? That we need a romantic response to crisis. Yes. And that's yeah, that Trump is a good is bit. Yelling. Let's have this bit where Seth Abramson says we need a romantic response to crisis, and I think around there I said something good. Do we put bits in where I say something good? Yeah, because it's a long bit, so sometimes it has a crisscross. It might bleed into the my good bit into the right rebellion bit. bit. <laughs> my good bit. All right, so let's <laughs> uh, let's bit. put that on. Have a listen to that, and if you do like it. Why don't you go over to luminarypodcast.com, get a subscription where you can get this podcast, all my podcasts on Under the Skin, as well as many other fantastic contributors, Trevor Nelson, Lena Dunham, the people that do... Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) I was so pleased that I said it right. Why do I think that Trevor Noah, a modern figure, is Trevor Nelson? I suppose I just think... Trevor, and that's it. Yeah. Well, you work really hard. I worked so hard today making podcasts. What's next, Trevor Francis, the England and Nottingham Forest footballer? Was is there a newscaster with the name Trevor? Could do Trevor McDonald. Yeah, that's surname. The don't start of an N. Not as Trevor Francis, I suppose. All right. Well, look. The fact <laughs> is, is it's Trevor Noah, who's one of the most important and significant broadcasters working in late night comedy today and who at the very least deserves not to be mistaken for a 90s DJ who was also bloody good. Let's not condemn anyone here. But the fact is we're talking about Trevor now. <laughs> anyway, this isn't Seth Abramson. we we'll have probably cut some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a no, successful yes, route. Yes, that's,
1: that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology.
0: What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand under the skin. It seems to to me, Seth, that a lot of the conditions that you are describing uh, do not are not reliant on Trump for the, for their perpetuation. That if you remove Trump and replace him even with Biden, there were the, the the phenomena that you are describing are so. Uh, ubiquitous, that they, how would they not continue? Because well, what is it other than, as you said, he wants the same kind of presence in our lives that smartphones and screens have. And I like that. And you're, you're right. He does have a, like that sort of showmanship and uh, the sort of psychopathic mutability that's, that lends itself to the, the conditions you're describing. But isn't this something that's sort of far bigger than Trump of which he is just the most uh, obvious symptom?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Trumpism will endure no matter what happens to Donald Trump uh, politically, personally, uh, or in any sense. Uh, The reason that Trumpism will endure is that there is a hunger in the United States, I think particularly on the political right, for a return to meta-narratives that you can trust in and rely on and feel inspired by and that give you hope uh, when you wake up in the morning. We certainly are in a period where And I don't want to get too theoretical here, but, you know, postmodernism as a cultural paradigm that describes our logic and our structure of feeling, you know, what what we say in cultural theory, our system of logic and our structure of feeling has for many, many decades been described with the term postmodernism. We endlessly deconstruct things. We put uh, various sort of arguments that we have on a dialectic where two poles battle it out until one is successful. We ultimately uh, and, and consistently refer to truth as contingent in some way. Eventually that becomes enervating. That causes mm. us to lose hope. It causes us to feel that we will be deconstructing eternally and that we will be in crisis eternally. So there is a hunger for a return to metanarratives. Now, the, the difference between me, let's say, and someone like Jordan Peterson, is that Jordan Peterson is what I would regard as a neo-modernist, which simply means that he wants to return to old and, in many cases, discarded and what should be inert meta-narratives from 100 years ago or even well before that. What a metamodernist like me wants to see is a return to meta-narratives with an understanding of everything that we learned during the far too long, far too extended postmodern period of roughly 70 years. We need to have faith in meta narratives, in other words, even when we know that they're flawed but we do need to know that they're flawed. We have to have a certain informed naivete about how we wake up in the morning where we know that deconstruction happened. We know that we were in crisis, but we also know that we need to get up in the morning and, and soldier on anyway, and that our meta narratives will be imperfect, but they will inspire us. One of the uh, maxims that is often associated with modernism is that we need a romantic response to crisis. Donald Trump in the darkest possible sense is selling a romantic response to crisis. What we need, I would suggest on the political left in America is a romantic response to crisis that is the the light version of what Donald Trump is selling as a very, very dark vision in in the view of most of us. I mean, he talked about American carnage during his inaugural speech. We need an alternative to the romantic response to crisis that he's selling.
0: You're so clever. Oh, oh, thank you. (laughs) 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 Okay, okay. Um, Yes, we do need that. Now, where's that going to come from, Seth? Because even by your own um, methods, it, it... it sounds like that you're that you know where you have to create this grid of narratives and they, these reliable nodes and data points that's sort of almost hyper rational how do we enter into this new mythos this new state this new faith this new romanticism jaded jarred bruised as we are how do we revive this kind of a, a, a new uh, perspective that uh, post donald trump's uh like American Carnage, how do we revivify optimism without it tending towards those uh, the dead sort of modernist narratives of sort of fascism, uh, ethno nationalism, etc.?
1: Well, I think one of the problems with the way that Donald Trump is approaching it is he wants the same uh, insipid solution for every field, which is make America great again, trust in me. Uh, as you said, it 's a return to neo-modernist, uh, or a return to modernist narratives like fascism and authoritarianism and so on. It, with metamodernism, what we 're imagining is that this cultural paradigm plays out differently in each field. So there's metamodern architecture, there's metamodern music, there's metamodern stand-up comedy, and it's going to look different in each genre because the conventions that you are trying to both subvert and extend in each of the genres is different. So let's say journalism. In journalism, metamodernism takes the form of meta-journalism in the following sense. We say, okay, journalism is at a point of collapse in many respects. People don't trust it anymore. Uh, We have a problem with Items that are sort of outside journalism, but part of the conversation ultimately like fake news. How do we respond knowing that we are in a deconstructed journalistic sphere where people have less trust? Well, you, you make a go of it and you make a go of it in a romantic and perhaps even quixotic way by saying, I'm going to read 12,000 sources From And I'm going to use the Internet to help me do this from around the world going back decades. And I'm going to show that we actually have so much great investigative journalism that the idea of turning to fake news, the idea of not trusting a single news outlet when someone can now in the digital age create a network of thousands of news outlets is really just beside the point. Um, So so meta journalism is a romantic romantic response to crisis. But, you know, in architecture, people putting gardens atop roofs in major cities. That's a romantic response to crisis. Notice that in that situation, you're not saying, as you might in a postmodern dialectic, well, either we tear down the building or we say, screw it, let's just burn the environment until there's nothing left. You say, well, we're going to keep the building because people live there and we know we can't tear all the buildings down, but we're going to put gardens everywhere that we can, including on the buildings. That's how one example of how metamodernism shows up in architecture. But again, it shows up in every genre. So the answer to your question is depends on the genre, depends on the form of communication being used, depends on the sphere of professional activity we're talking about.
0: Well, that in itself would be eschewing postmodernism, which would, of course, challenge the taxonomies in themselves, even that these genres independ- exist independently of one another. If you sort of think of it in sort of more simplistic historical forms like Baroque, the music was Baroque, the architecture was Baroque, you know, like the idea that there will be different streams and different expressions and we can why widely understand Baroque to be sort of, yeah, like, I don't know, ornamental, fluid, florid, like, uh, like the idea that there would be different approaches in metamodernism depending on the genre that it was applied to now i have a few questions here mate one is where the hell are we getting like because this is what i return to is like if you really want to challenge the uh sort of the some of these like you know like dear marianne williamson said you're not going to be able to overcome these sort of she said something like dark satanic forces with your technocratic bureaucratic clap track democrat language you know like i my personal disappointment and uh, 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 condemnation seems like a hard word to use but like falls more on the left than on the right because in a sense the right is gone all punk and rogue and become mobilized and look like they're having real fun and expressing themselves over there and like whereas the left has become kind of i don't know like bereft of any real purpose and meaning no doubt as a result of this constant deconstructivism that you have described it seems to me that those ideas are sort of foreclosed i.e. sort of so, like you almost have to go back to the uh, sort of English origins of socialism as opposed to the sort of European origins and look at the, the role of say Methodism uh, like sort of that, that Christian milieu uh, in the establishment of socialism to, to revivify the left i.e. does there need to be a spiritual component to any political alternative even if that's spiritualism is not theological but is could be sort of of personal and if you're saying that we're going to have to enter into this with the kind of naivety who where do we look do we look at in the way that indigenous societies organize and say see if we can mobilize those ideas in a post- uh, urban setting you know like a, an example the architectural example of growing things in cities could cities be run in different municipalities could power be shared differently what kind of ideas and where are we getting the energy this sort of what's the source in this in this sort of dissipated gray and insipid time that, that, that that's so sort of all-consuming that a figure like trump becomes attractive just almost because of his priapism
1: Well, I'd look at it this way. Um, We have nothing left to lose. You know, many people are awakening this morning on the left and on the right without any hope whatsoever that things will improve. Uh, Metamodernism suggests that it's time for a new sincerity. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, The sort of rebelliousness that we see on the right right now in the United States and perhaps elsewhere is incredibly retrograde. It is that sort of punk rebelliousness that determines that the only way to prove that you are actually rebelling is to do something shocking and to in some way be what some people would consider distasteful. Well, we already did that in the 1970s in the United States with punk rock, literally, right? David Foster Wallace, a novelist who's considered a proto-metamodernist, said that the new rebels, the rebels of the, uh, the era that we're in now, the metamodern era, not that he used the term at the time, would be those people who are willing to be snickered at, willing to be laughed at willing to be considered too naive and too simple and uncool, right? And I'll, you're talking to someone right now, Russell, who is incredibly uncool and who gets laughed at all the time. And that's part of the rebellion. I know that. I know that people you know, look at me and say, this guy's writing 500 tweet threads on Twitter. What does he think he's doing? Where does he think he is that anyone wants to read him write 500 tweets in a row on Twitter? I am deliberately misusing the platform. I know that I'm doing it. I am upsetting people by doing it. I know that I'm doing it. But I'm not trying to be shocking in a punkish way. I'm trying to have a romantic response to crisis, which says, look how naively hopeful this guy is, that we can make sense of this world, even though he fully understands Because he lived through postmodernism with everyone else, how ridiculous what he's doing seems to be. I agree with what David Foster Wallace said 25 years ago. The rebels of today are willing to be laughed at, snickered at, considered uncool. The Milo Yiannopouloses of the world who say, I'm going to be punkish and I'm going to shock you, you know, excuse my language, but that's bullshit 40 years ago rebellion. And it's really old hat. It's incredibly postmodern and it's boring. It's boring because you know postmodernists have been shocking people with their you know, crazy statements about Jews. If you want to use Milo Yiannopoulos as an example, for a hundred years, um, that's why postmodernism out, you know outstayed its welcome. So the answer is a new sincerity. The answer is hope. And the answer is stop worrying about whether people laugh at you on the internet. You can
0: get. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. If you did, you can get a subscription for my podcast on Luminary for as little as two ninety nine month dollars 99 month yeah for months 99 with their annual plan plus a 7 day free day trial to get started visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial you've literally nothing to lose it's a fantastic platform i'm sure you'll stay once you're there thank you